Well, what got you started doing a podcast? Um, originally, I was like looking for ideas to start in engineering business. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to interview people to learn about pro to try and do like discover problems that needed solving. Um, and like since I work in like unmanned aerospace is like a defense you know like in the defense space oh okay there's a lot of moral questions that i always ask about like what's the impact that we're having and so then i started um talking to people about all sorts of things you know it, it goes into politics and economics and and you know international relations and all that pretty quickly um, so that's kind of why I started. And then since then, it's just kind of like, oh, this is like a really fun hobby. Mm-hmm. And I get to talk to a bunch of cool people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what kind of got me started. And it's it's been a very interesting journey. You know, you you never think you're good enough to start. Like, you know, the fr- when you start doing something, you're scared because you're like, oh, it's it's not ready. I don't want to put it out there and let people like let people see how it like, you know, it in this state but there it's um it's good to start somewhere yeah well and i was gonna ask you because i think brian had a podcast but he's one of those little things i like your equipment is this from amazon i saw kits like this and i was like "Hmm." i bet they sell it on amazon but no this is from a company called road and it's like the mics and the it's called a podcast mixer or something. Okay. It's like specific for podcasting. Cool. And they, yeah, it's a full kit. I it's, like, yeah, that you can adjust this and you have the whole soundboard, like yep. ability to change that. Cause he just had it and you would put it on your phone and I had looked at the anchor one and I interviewed people before the pandemic, before we moved here to maybe do like an eclectic, just people that I knew that were fascinating, right. you know, like, you do all this stuff. It's like, this is pretty cool. Did you have like a goal? I, well, it was going to be the genius of podcast, but that name is already taken. So <laughs> I'm thinking of the school of genius because I didn't want to limit it to who I could talk to. And also I just, it's like that. It's the Einstein quote that everyone's a genius, but if you tell them they're not, they will never like go right. anywhere. And <clears throat> And I'm creative, so it could have been like creative or marketing business based, but I kind of wanted it open ended so I could talk about different things. Right. Um, but also really interview people who weren't just in the health space. We know a lot of practitioners or who were just creatives, because I also know a lot of creatives, you know, like they're very different, um, but just had something that like I thought was interesting. Right. And to share their journeys of how they maybe became successful or, or what their philosophy is mm-hmm. in life. And then that was kind of like the goal was just to start it and see where it went. And then I interviewed like 10 people and then I think I lost all of it. <laughs> uh, just you moving. lost it all? Well, like I had it on an app and I'm not sure like if I kept the sound bits and then we moved and then it's like. Oh, you just literally can't find. Yeah, the this is the ADD brain. This is a creative brain. <laughs> so it's like you're just. I was like, and I just had a baby. Then we moved, and then the pandemic happened. Right. And I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. Like it's not a priority, and right. I can always recircle back. And if I can find this, 
that's where it's like uh i do stuff like that a lot where i'll erase a bunch of stuff and i'm like babe i think i lost all these photos because i was trying to save space and put it on a terabyte and then here and then i cleared space out on my computer and then it's gone right it's like crap so you you said that with the podcast you kind of want like the everyone is a genius yeah do you feel like you felt that way as a kid and that people told you you were not a genius? Is that where that motivation comes from? No, not really. No? No, I actually excelled at pretty much everything I did. <laughs> it was very different. So you were the kid that knew you were a genius. No, I didn't think I was a genius either. <laughs> I just like, it wasn't, um, things just didn't come hard. Yeah. That, like I could do things and I didn't realize that other people couldn't. But and as a parent now, it's a lot more difficult because I have a son who's dyslexic and I have a daughter. My youngest is really angry all the time and I'm realizing they learn different. And for me, it's like, oh, you just do this, you know, and right. And then I'm like, why aren't they getting it? Right. <laughs> like, what is the difference? And I don't see myself as a genius. I was never selected really to be in any accelerated courses, so I knew I wasn't. Um, but I also just love the idea of untapped potential. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that I think for a long time too, I didn't know what to do with all the endeavors I could have chosen. Mm. And so because I could do so many things, there wasn't a focus and then I didn't know where to place it or if I was going to miss out on something else. And so that was like a hard part to let go of something to focus on one thing and and then also to realize that maybe I had potential to do more than I was living mm. and and then and I wondered how many other people you know don't do something because someone told them they were bad at it or right or they're scared and I know what that feels like to to mess up because people expect because the the hard part about being talented at a lot of things early is then people expect that or do you feel that expectation even if it's not real right so that becomes a very different like thing to live up to and then it can be very anxiety provoking were you like scared to fail and scared to try th new things um i never really was initially like as a kid i would just try everything mm -hmm. uh but i think it got more more aware that um especially as a woman and how girls treat each other so like in middle school and high school like if you shine uh you're the target right yeah so it's not it was like i was super popular i like ran like everything was easy like i was in student body um i just Playing were, sports, everything. Right. Like I just excelled. So then I stood out, right? So then it's like the more opportunity means, well, what does that mean for a girl? Well, I also got more attention from Christ, right? Right. So then I'm competition. So then there's reason any weakness to just hone in hint on. Yeah. Why do you think girls treat each other that way? It's just insecure. Like I didn't really I'm not really a normal girl. <laughs> in the sense that like I want more attention from everybody really um I didn't really realize that that was like a thing 
Like it wasn't something until someone was like, well, you get more attention if you do this. And I was like, oh, why? I don't, why? Like, I, I not, I'm not doing things to get more attention typically, like from my heart. I think it was just, I wanted to learn something and try it and see if I could do it. And it turned out I could do it very well. Right. And it, and, and that's not okay with a lot of girls growing up. You know, especially I think because we're insecure um, and we don't know what to expect and we're not sure how to fit. And so I think that that insecurity either is from home or from what we think or perceive we need from the world. Um, and when you're developing, you just don't really know. You know, you're just kind of like, okay, this is happening. Um, so was the different? So like you think a lot of girls do things because they think it's cool or they want to be popular. So why were you doing things? Were you just following your heart and just doing what you wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, at a young age, I was really, I'm a, I was a tomboy. Um, I guess this is like just talking about life right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think I don't really know like the drive, like it was just always there to like go after things and to, just, I just wanted to try lots of stuff. So, um, I started playing sports really young and I just was good at it. Um, I was selected to be on a Olympic gymnastics team at like four and I didn't want to do it. Uh, and so then I played soccer. I was like too demanding and, uh, like they wanted to like, they basically like recruit that young for gymnastics. I was going to say it yeah. at four. Yeah. Because they <laughs> just look and I was like, able to do things they're like you have the ability and the discipline to do some of this stuff and um it wasn't like i was on a team but they basically were grooming people to train very young right like it just starts very young and um and i just just did it but i didn't you know like i think a lot of it has to do with that i had trauma early too so like i didn't really know what was happening so I couldn't say that, like, I always sought something. I think part of me was coping with stuff. Mm. So it was like anything to escape it, though I didn't know those words until I was older. Right. Like that all these hobbies were just me coping, you know. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> but those are things that I loved, too. So I was like, maybe they were just coping, but maybe, you know, that was the way my brain had to just deal with things and it did right yeah and were you trying to avoid were you because of your trauma were you like like avoiding certain people or just you know like saying i don't i don't want to talk to people i just want to go play soccer or whatever it was is that what you mean by coping you're just like focusing um, on an activity instead of on a person yeah i think like the doing was really helpful like at an early age like the activity i mean now we know there's so much about athletics that are good that's good for the brain right? right it's super healthy for you but like at the time i think it was like i'm gonna go play i was playing outside and it was probably to avoid like the, how lonely i was how hurt i was and and what i didn't what i didn't know i couldn't deal with you know i also excelled at drawing like when i was five or six i was drawing portraits already like i was not really good but they weren't bad either like it was like very easy for me to just start drawing cartoons and they looked like 
the cartoon. Like it right. like was pretty natural for me to do creative work too. So I wasn't, I'd get bored and um, find something. And my parents at the time, like the first time I started like really drawing and they kind of noticed more, they were working all the time. So we were latchkey kids. My younger brother and I, well, he's older than me, but we were the younger ones and we were just home, you know? So we weren't really around adults, like mm. growing up. So we had all this time and I would like go through my dad's CD set and listen to everything. And I'd start memorizing and teaching myself how to rap, you know, and then I would get bored and then I'd go draw, you know, and then I'd get bored and I'd go play outside and I'd climb as high as I could. You know, I was just right. burning energy, like trying to figure out what to do at home. You know, no one was really there, but my brother and he'd play video games and then I'd watch all sorts of TV, like MTV. Like I always was like, I was like raised on MTV and music videos because they weren't <laughs> around. And I was like, what's this? I don't know, watch it. Right. Like Saved by the Bell, Ninja Turtles, everything. Like everything I watched. I probably shouldn't have watched a lot of stuff <laughs> at a young age, but there was no one there really. Right. Um, but there also wasn't anyone telling you not to climb higher. Don't climb that high. Or, no, or don't I was do like, this. I'm going to go do that. Right. And And the cool thing about my parents is like, as hard as like my childhood was like my dad's sister is an artist. So she's a watercolor painter and she's super creative. And so whenever he saw my sister and I, who she's a photographer, do anything creative, he would just be like, go do it like mm. here. And they would sport it. And whatever sport we wanted to try, they were like, just do it. Like they were, ne he was never, they were never like, no, you shouldn't do that. That's not for you. My mom was a little bit more like, you're not going to play in the NBA. And I was like, yes, I am. And, <laughs> and uh, she's like, you're so short, you know, but that's, that's like my Asian mother. She's like, maybe think about something else. <laughs> but he, he never did. You know, he was always like giving me different tools to explore art, whether it was like, um, um, an art, uh, an electronic art pad that at the time you could like sketch on and then it would show on the TV mm. and I could like actually see graphics before there was like, right. like, like things. That was probably one of the first kids tools. I loved old things. Like I loved antique homes. So we'd go to soccer tournaments and I'd ask to go look at all these old homes huh. and antique. Like I had this like How weird. How old were you? Like eight, <laughs> like I'd always had like all these interests. Antique home enthusiast in today. Architecture, old. like I wanted to be an architect for a long time. So that's why I think I loved that. Um, I didn't even know how to spell. I can't spell today still. I'm always like, son, I think I'm dyslexic. I don't know how to spell. And I keep spelling things wrong, even on our website. And they're like, it's so bad. I was like, I know. <laughs> people are still coming in. <laughs> it's like. Really bad, but I just was, um, I loved homes and I would try and build floor plans and do all this stuff all the time. So I was always like making some sort of something, um, and then running off to sports. And by um, the time you were in high school, what were your main priorities in terms of athletics or kind of what thinking that you wanted to do when you were older? Um, I wanted to play sports. So I grew up. Um, my parents love sports and my, my dad was the state, he took third place in state in wrestling. And at that time, that was pretty big. My uncles were wrestlers. My brothers were wrestlers. So I was around like a lot of athletes and I played basketball and soccer and ran track. 
And um, I started Olympic weightlifting in high school. I went to junior nationals my senior year. Um, I wanted to play basketball in college really bad uh, or soccer, either one. So I ended up doing well academically and I got a scholarship to Coos Bay uh, Community College. <laughs> Coos Bay, Oregon. <laughs> yeah. And uh, from there, I probably could have transferred to Wazoo or UW and played because they like pull people through and will redshirt them. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't really know. And that's where it got interesting. High school was interesting. We grew up, um, my parents are LDS, I'm LDS. So oh. a lot of like uh, religion where my parents met on their mission in Japan and they're back in Japan serving a mission. So like where they met in Tokyo, they're back, Oh wow! which is really cool. And I, I didn't really always like believe in all of the stuff that we grew up in. And I think it wasn't until like middle school and I met a really another LDS girl and we played soccer and we were like best friends. And like, she was just so happy and it made me want to know more, you uh-huh. know, finally, even though I grew up and I was like, ah, I don't know about all this stuff, right. <laughs> uh, but I had all this, um, but I just wasn't raised the same. Like my mom's a convert. She's also from Japan and she's a businesswoman where traditionally LDS women are stay at home moms right? Like from Idaho or Utah or somewhere. And they're like all about being a mom. And she wasn't like she was a businesswoman and <laughs> she didn't speak the language and she didn't understand like why I would want to do anything like like why do I need to craft like she's like why do I have to make crafts because all the women at church craft she's like I don't do that Adina you know like she knew who she was and she's always been funny and vivacious um, but she has a strong testimony and just a strong faith that brought her over you know, and, and her story is interesting. She just, her parents were match made. And during World War II, her dad went to serve and his, um, his brother died in the war and they sent him and he was apprenticing to be an architect and an engineer actually, um, as well at that time. And then, um, he came back and he was an alcoholic. So she didn't really understand. And he ended up dying when she was five. So, but they were set to take care of the family farm because he was Noda. My mom's maiden name means rice field. So they had rice fields. And um, when he came back and then died, my mom, my grandma had to take over everything. Oh. Yeah. And it's really rare to see that in the 50s and 60s. And, but when they match make, that means both grandparents came to live together. And that couple was supposed to take care of everyone financially. Yeah, so they ma- married for that reason. And so her mom ended up going to Fukuoka near Nagasaki and um, just she worked and um, she didn't live with her mom growing up. So her sister and her lived with her grandparents and all of her aunties and uncles on the farm. And her mom would come back once a month and pay for Kind of like how we see like immigrant families, they come and they pay for everyone back home. Right. That's what she did at that time. And I think... Um, my mom just grew up without parents either. So it was in a, in a way, and I feel like it kind of repeated through me. My older siblings, they were more there at the time. But when I am the youngest, they my mom was ready to go to work and it was just different. And I think that we kind of mirrored each other a lot. So a lot of my mom is super special to me, but there's a lot of tension growing up. Um, because during when I was about three or four, I was molested and I've had sexual trauma and, and I was super suicidal and I didn't really know how depressed I was. Like 
looking back, I, through high school, so when you talk about what do you want to do high school, well, I was doing really well. I lettered in all three sports my senior, freshman year. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Being weightlifting, li- soccer, and? Um, well, I started lifting because of, uh, I was tiny. And so for soccer, basketball, and track, I okay. lettered in. They didn't have uh, weightlifting as like a competitive league, like for the league. But we That's could... why you said Olympic weightlifting, because yeah. it wasn't part of school or something. No, well, we actually had, uh, we have a renowned weightlifting coach. His name is John Thrush that trained at our high school. And he had um, Olympic lifting plates. He actually trains Olympians. So like he sent okay. two that I know of Olympians that still like are still incredible Olympic lifters. And so I, my basketball coach was like, you're small, you need to get in the gym. And he was a former football coach. He said, just go work with John. He'll help you out. So I just started working with John my freshman year, um, just to get more explosive because mm. that helps you jump higher when you do right. snatching and, and all those things, cause they're explosive. So I just did that. And so it was kind of just my PE program that I took my electives and did that. Um, and it, uh, so everything was kind of moving forward and I was getting, um, letters to, to look at different schools to play sports. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. I thought maybe I'll be an architect later, but this is fun. Like I enjoy athletics, like I enjoy the physical. Um, but it turned out I was just better at soccer than I was at basketball. You know, <laughs> I really loved basketball. Um, like I loved it so much. And then. Do you think that was mostly because of your height? And height is less important in soccer than basketball? You know, I think I just, um, I don't know what happened. I, I, well, I got better at basketball. I don't think it has anything to do with my height, really. Um, definitely could have been. I just didn't, wasn't as confident after a while in basketball. Um, and with soccer, I started to excel a lot more. Like, like I... I kind of sucked at soccer for a long time or like was just put around the back just to fill in, I thought for a while. And I always played up, but, um, on my premier teams, uh, but then we, we had a team where our coach, like we just fell apart right when you go to like, uh, they call them PLUs. It's like, or LPUs league placement tournaments, Mm. you know, to put you in pier one. Gold or silver. Yeah. So then you can be recruited for soccer, um, for colleges. And we like, didn't really make it through that very well. Like our team just folded. We had a a professional Sounders guy come teach us. He was a semi-alcoholic, but also (laughs) like our like team just fell apart and it was so interesting to watch. So we got this new guy. Uh, I felt, I think his name was it's Calvin something, but I just remember him and his brother came to teach us and they got, they kind of inherited the team because our coach even left. It was like really bad. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll stay on and just play. And he came in and he talked about how great he was. He had such a big <laughs> ego. I was like, he's so annoying. But then um, he was like, but ladies, like I didn't do anything with grades. Like I was so good. I probably should have been recruited to college, but I could not get to college because I did not do anything academically. Right. So he's teaching community college with his girlfriend and his brother. But he's like, well, I'm going to teach you everything I know. And I'm going to teach you how to play like California soccer girls play. Right. And so we started learning. This is where I started differentiating myself from from my team. Everyone typically will like go outside, big cross kind of stuff. Like 
wide cross, wide cross. Right, right. And he was like, no, we're not doing that. We're playing to feet. You're always going to have possession. You're always going to know. And he would just say, and you're going to learn how to check. You're going to learn how to run off the ball. And we're always going to play to feet. And you're going to run back because you can't receive the ball when your butt with your butt. You have to turn and face just like basketball. So it was interesting that I learned to turn and face and learn how to move on the wing, how to pull the defense when I didn't have the ball, how to move, like how to make myself a threat away from it. And we did a lot of triangle one give and goes similar to basketball, right? They're very similar. Yeah. Where you set up triangles and you move through. If you play this way, it's similar to basketball, right? Yeah. But a lot of te- or a lot of people when they play soccer, it's just long ball, long yeah, ball, long. long ball. Who can kick the hardest? <laughs> you know. And it was like once I learned that, I started implementing that more in my high school, and I started getting noticed a lot more. And people were like, "How are you doing this?" Because the even though the the team younger than us, they won state like two years in a row. Those girls were good. I had a good. We had a good group of like massive amount of soccer players. Where my senior year in high school, we were all seniors mm. that, on varsity because it was like there was just too many of almost all. It was like very saturated. We had a good crop of athletes in our school. Um, the year I graduated, all around, just everyone. And the year ahead, like the that four or five years, there was a lot. But they just didn't, they had the cohesion, but they didn't play. So I'd come in and it was not as cohesive because I would play such a different style. But, um, but it was, it was really effective. Like, oh my gosh, playing defeat. And then I could just play futsal with boys and, and it was easy because right. I knew it's defeat. Like, I don't have to be good at kicking. But he also taught me, I, he's like, look, you need a point, like just basic fundamentals that I wasn't taught. And so I was like, I wasn't very good, but he was like, you need to lock your foot this way and then you need to do this. And you, and he made me juggle. I wasn't mm. allowed to touch my the ball with my hands anymore. Right. So by the end of that one year with him, I could juggle 60 touches on my feet, but I put in the time. So I learned a right. lot about like um, uh, 20 minutes a day. That lesson will never leave me. The lesson of practicing 20 minutes a day? Anything. You can learn anything. Right. If you put 20 minutes a day in it. Like right. piano, anything, writing, it's just the consistency, right? So from that, it was like mind blowing for me. And I was like, that's really cool. But that my junior year in high school, as I was looking towards all these things, my friend, who was my best friend, uh, wasn't my best friend all of a sudden. Um, I was shining again. Oh. Yeah. And playing more time than her in soccer and in basketball too, and all these things. and. And it was rough, and I, I decided to continue playing soccer because the coach was like, "I think Adina, you can have a scholarship. Like you are progressing, you're learning, you're open to learning. Like I, you're teachable, right? Like I want you to stay, but that meant playing on Sundays, and I was gonna stop so I could go to church. So I was gonna stop for because we don't practice that on Sundays. We try and stay home, and that's more of a religious thing. And she had decided she had never, like, kind of. Never had a practice keeping the Sabbath day holy is kind of what it is. But all of a sudden she was like into it and she thought I would just stop playing soccer with her. And I was like, look, my parents, I don't have like, I, we didn't grow up rich. Like I knew I was going to have to pay for college. I was like, I could pay for college with this. Like that was a big opportunity. Right. So I ended up staying and playing and it hurt her feelings. But I also think it was really kind of judgmental too because it was like look it's my choice like I'm gonna play right like I don't have 
like my parents, your parents didn't pay for you to go to college. Like that, they bought you a brand new car for your birthday. Like I don't have that. Right. Like I'm just gonna have to work. And um, and this was a really good opportunity for me. And it just started separating, and I didn't realize how hard that was to deal with. And then I also was like super focused and driven, like mm-hmm. how I've kind of been my whole life, I guess. And and I just got really depressed my junior year. And I got really suicidal and it was really crazy because it was like a flip. Like it was like, I wasn't myself and I couldn't cope. I was like this. I mean, my GPA was like 3.95. Like everything was like, I could just do it. Right. Right. But I know I wasn't sleeping very much and, um, I was hospitalized. Like it was bad. Like I was in a weird fog and it just changed everything. And it came out of nowhere. Yeah, like no, I, I had a really hard basketball season. It was really emotional. And I wasn't doing well with my friend, you know, and like that was kind of it. It was like there's a lot, but I didn't know how to handle all this stuff. I think maybe that was uh-huh. part of it. Um, but looking back, it was like probably the best thing that could happen, but it was still like as a high schooler, it was like devastating, you know, like I didn't didn't I didn't know what the future was gonna be anymore. Like I didn't have like my focus anymore I wasn't I couldn't get out of bed for like six weeks like I was like really out of it and and I was upset and all of the trauma started coming out I never talked about it and then all of a sudden it was like if you've ever met someone or had someone who's been through trauma it's like it all of a sudden is like comes on mm-hmm. and it's like ready to be dealt with and I was like why you know and I was mad at God and I was mad at my faith because I was like I've done everything like I was like volunteering at church I was like student leading at church like I was like literally doing all the things that I thought at the time was like correct or whatever needed to be done and then um it was like why am I unhappy then or why is this happening you know and and when those things happen and you're like a teenager it's like it's one it feels it felt really unfair but that is like, I'm not supposed to do this right now. Right. Mm. You know, this is like a midlife crisis. <laughs> I'm, I'm not there, but I had so much stuff going on and I didn't know. Um, and so my, my senior year, it was just like healing. Like I was going to therapy. I was trying to figure out medication now. And so I just, I played soccer a little bit and then I didn't play basketball and I started Olympic lifting and then I went to junior nationals. Was yeah. Olympic lifting kind of a escape I, for you? Yeah, from that? I wanted to do something fun. I was like, I need to have fun, right? That's more fun than playing soccer or basketball? No, but the the dynamic of being with my friend on that team, oh. she was really mean to me. Right. And it was like I was with her in all those sports, and it was oh. like making me have more anxiety because it was like right now I'm out shining or whatever, or it's just that we didn't get along anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I, she was kind of like my one friend and she had other friends and I wasn't part of it anymore. She was like your only good friend, like really good friend. Like I right. I probably put way too much on it, you know, and looking back, everyone was like, why were you friends with her? She was not nice to anyone. <laughs> really? Right. Like that was like the feedback. I was like, I don't know. I don't know why that happened. Like, I don't know why I didn't expand more. You know, there was like a lot of things that I can't say. And then, and that was my experience because everyone else never saw that from her really. Like, right. so it wasn't 
So I just thought it was me, you know, something's wrong with me because she was a prom queen even. Like everyone loved her. So I was like, it's not. So did it teach you something about how to choose your friends? You would think, but I had another, <laughs> I've had several of these experiences. And I was like, it's really with girls too. I have so much, like, it was really like, I think my aunts would be like, I think those girls are really mean to you in middle school. And I didn't know, like, how to cope with stuff. And so I'm like more, I have more anxiety around girls than I do guys. Like I love having guy friends. Brian and I just had so much fun together. I think that's why we connected. Right. Because I'm just used to like my wrestling cousins, you know, and like right. playing sports. I'm a tomboy, right? So I can like level with it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that make sense. I'm into like he's meeting me and I'm like freaking working out and like pumping iron. He's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> we're like doing that, you know, but it, there were just those couple of years that were really tough. And, um, I got diagnosed with, um, bipolar two, my senior year, I tried, I attempted suicide. It got really bad. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like it wasn't oh good. Like that's where I was like, I don't know if I should talk about all this stuff, but it was like really, really hard. But I do think it's super important because it became such a big part of my life so right and at one point you said this is the best thing that could have happened yeah and I didn't like I knew getting out of it I was like wow I just went through something deep and I'm there's something happening here but I had to go through it so many more times you know mm. it wasn't like it wasn't easy right like I lost years of my life um right it was it was hard. important it was valuable in the end, but it was really hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't wish, I mean, if you've ever experienced a deep depression, it's like, you don't wish it on anyone. Yeah. You know, it's not, um, it's not fun, um, to look at yourself and wonder what's going on I'm, like for years, you know, and, and go, what could have been, you know, what did I lose? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know a little bit about depression. I've hidden it for years, and I don't know if it... It seems like sometimes it's coming out more recently, but when I was 12 or 13, my dad, who was like my hero and our family's hero, died suddenly of cardiac arrest, and that's why we moved to Hood River. Mm. And then coming here was like, you know, we had just lost our dad, our sole provider, but we met all these amazing friends in high school did like love. We were athletic and did like played soccer and skied and biked and loved all the sports. And it was like our saving grace, but I never, I still, I've, I'm still like uncovering all that sadness and trauma. And it, I haven't had like a floodgates opening moment where it's just like, boom, all of a sudden I can't operate. And I, I hope it doesn't happen like that. Although I guess if it needs to, then so be it. But yeah, it's so easy to just tuck it away and just keep going on. And then all of a sudden it just pops out. Yeah. I think that's, I think it happens more often than not, especially with maybe sexual trauma too, because you're not really sure what's happening. Um, and then you're like, oh, I've got to deal with this. Like, it's not going to go away until I, I confront some of this stuff. Right. Um, but I think grief is different too. Like you had experienced a loss. I mean, my loss is different, um, but I think that grief of losing a parent or loved one um, before their time 
is completely different. Sure. And it, I don't know if it ever goes away per se that I've, that I've been around friends who've lost their parents super young. Right. Like you. Um, Part yeah. of me hopes it doesn't. Right. Cause it's like losing him. Like the yeah. last time I say his name, but at the same time, maybe it can be more like a happy memory and not, not a sad memory. Yeah. But I imagine with like abuse, it could be shameful as well to want to talk about it. You'd, yeah. you'd be embarrassed to talk about it. Well, it was, I think at first, but it was like relieving too. But then it like, I think it was interesting too, because some people don't know how to handle that, especially at a young age or you don't know what to say. Right. So people yeah. don't know what to say. And so then it becomes really heavy or they're not sure how to um, support you as a friend. Right. Because they really just don't know what to do if they have never been through their own trauma or they're not sure how to help you, really. How would you suggest to someone, like, how would you have wanted to have been supported? Um, I mean, I had a lot of support at the same time. It was almost like a floodgate of it. I just, being the driven person, I didn't know what to do with all of it. I was like, well, what now? Like, I, like, it was really great. I had so many people share and open up. And that's what's been beautiful about it, too. Whenever I share my story, I can't tell you how many people have told me about their trauma that they've never told people. Right. Just because I was willing to share it. Mm -hmm. Like in that relief to be able to share it is really big. And it's, it's, I feel really grateful and, um, and very honored that they feel safe. You know, I don't, I think that that's a big part is who do you talk to? And, um, can I, you know, and being able to listen and then know like what steps of support Right. Because like I was just sent to counseling and talk therapy and I wasn't ready to do that. Mm. So it was almost like because I was a minor too, it's like I had to go do these things that I just wasn't ready to. And and I didn't know that I was like, I didn't know anything about it. So there wasn't like, there's other opportunities or paths I had to create it and to figure it out. I just knew that uh, it opened up my world empathically so much um so you were sent like they forced you to go to counseling with like a psychologist or something like yeah that and, and i just wasn't really wanting to talk about stuff like it wasn't because i was in high school and i was like i just want a boyfriend and i just want you know like <laughs> high school right. things so there was like i don't i know all this stuff happened but i don't know what to say anymore like i don't know right what i'm here to do um and so it kind of became like hard with my parents because it was like they were managing my care. It felt like that kind of relationship because mm. they were so nervous about me regressing. Right. So then, which is real. So they were like told to also like watch out for any relapse kind of stuff. Or if I get off medication, it's never to do that. She'll forever be on this medicine. Like that was what they were told. And if I try and get off, I would get on it again as soon as possible. Right. I was never going to live without it anymore. And that's a lot to take in. Yeah. And that was like yeah. an antidepressant. Yeah. Like different types of antidepressants, um, anxiety. They put me on mood stabilizers for bipolar, like lithium and different things. And even like way more stuff. Um, they were, I can't remember what they're called now, but 
I was like numb. Like I was on so much medicine. I was just like blank. Mm. Like I can't remember a lot of it, but I also like slept for a lot of those years and then was foggy. It was like tranquilizing. Like I just right. don't remember a lot of it. And it was so much stuff. Um, At one point I got on a new type of medication and it just, made me gain like 60 pounds in three months. Oh my God. And it blew up my cholesterol and made me pre-diabetic, but they were just like, well, this is better. Than- and and this was your, your parents were really pushing this or were the doctors or, or kind both. of both? Yeah. Cause yeah. they, cause that's what, like with those, that diagnosis at the time, that's the treatment. Right. Yeah. That is, and it's serious. And that's the solution. Yeah. Yeah. The and that's treatment. the only treatment and solution that's out there. And then, you know, in hindsight, I just, didn't know how to advocate for myself and half of me just wanted to be independent and to figure my own life out now that I wasn't going to be playing soccer and I didn't know what career path I wanted and I'm in college and I'm like kind of so this, per, this continued through yeah your first years of college or all of college or yeah yeah most of it it was very difficult and even when I met Brian and I um I think what I did was just take a year to take care of myself and not try and be in any relationship and try and figure all this stuff out. And then I ended up meeting Brian anyways. I was playing soccer and doing all this stuff and finding myself a little, finding some happiness and joy again. Cause I was just like, I need to find how to have fun again. So it was like a couple of years of just like medical management and it wasn't fun. And it was like, I'm just, not me, you know, but this is what I have to do now. Um, because so, that's what I was told to do medically. You know, that's what they recommended. And I was like, okay, I guess it's better than me being depressed and suicidal. So that was always like, this better than alternative, but it wasn't right. really living, you know, not, not the way I was used to like going after things, you know, I was just like, just don't rock the boat anymore. Right. You know, just be like minimal. So it was very um, interesting there. I, I mean, it just was, but I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it, it ended up working out in the sense that we got, I met Brian and I was learning about personal health and wellness and all these different things and trying to figure out when I took that class that really opened my eyes a lot. And I think it, which class? It's called personal health and wellness. Oh, okay. And I learned that, you know, health for those few years was all mental health. It's all they were focused on. They weren't looking at physical health, my emotional health, my social health, you know, right. your spiritual health. Those are the, those are pillars of wellness. And right. um, when I took that class, it was living. So it wasn't a book. We had a journal and we had to set goals every day and we had to serve someone every day. We had to hit a goal in each five of those areas and do it. We had to work out three times a week. We had to change our diet. Like we actually had to do the program. Like it was like a nutrition course almost or something. Right. And learn about world health and global health issues. And as we were going through this journal, like we had to do like, you know, uh, even like vision board stuff in this journal or like we had to try things that we weren't usually doing in courses where you're just studying and taking a test. So it was like very, um, applied. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just made me realize that, Oh, I can do different things for my emotional health versus my spiritual health. 
which I had only coupled into my mental health. I didn't realize mm. they were separate, you know, and, and that your social health because of going through depression and that one kind of not really great friendship, but was still like a really good friendship in some ways. I just realized you really, really need to have social, like your social health is really important. Um, and your ability to have a network and support, um, as well as your physical was always pretty easy for me because I was always wanting to do stuff and play sports, but how they all affect each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Brian and I got, ended up getting married. It was really just, I don't know, we weren't really looking forward, <laughs> but we really liked each other, I think. And it was probably like meant to be to me because I probably wouldn't have married him. Um, but it just kind of just happened and it felt right. But, uh, cause we were young. I was 19 when I met him. Right. It wasn't like I had all this world experience. I know I just come out of like a shit storm of mental health. <laughs> right. And I told him, I was like, look, you need to know, like, I have issues. I've got stuff. Like, are you sure you really want to be with me? Like, I didn't want to like. And where was he at in his journey at that point <laughs> brian was no knowing like that base jumping and like pogo sticking and skiing and rock climbing and just having fun he had a new girlfriend every month so i thought oh great i'll just be november or whatever <laughs> you know or <laughs> september and i was like great because i didn't everyone is in lds campus like trying to find their eternal companion and get married and i was just like i'm really not so, so which college did you go to? We went to BYU-Idaho in Rexburg. So oh. they have a BYU campus. And in he Rexburg. did as well. He did. Oh. He was there. He went on his mission and then he went there. He just doesn't talk about it because he's not religious he, anymore, really. Yeah. So. He meant, he mentioned on our podcast that he his family was religious and it was hard for him. And then recently he kind of had a breakthrough and realized other he can make it what he wants, but I didn't realize that he went to BYU. That's yeah. He's wow. raised LDS. Like he went on a mission to Oklahoma and then he was there. And I was just like, I think we had his roommate or friend really liked my roommate. So they were always like coming by and kind of met him through another friend who had a big crush on him or something. And she was like, Oh, he does backflips on pogo sticks. And he's, she's like, he's on a website. And so he like showed us, the thing and I was like that's cool um and I just said well I can make sushi like I know I'm Japanese and he was like oh can you teach me how to make sushi and I was like well you have a girlfriend right and he's like yeah I was like well she's gonna be okay with me like hanging out with you and he was like no one tells me what to do <laughs> you know like Brian would say or Chewy it was Chewy and I was just like well, in my mind, I was like, there's six girls to one guy on this campus and everyone wants to get married. <laughs> and the girls were just crazy, like for attention. It was just insane. Right. Like the jealousy, the pettiness of like that guy looked at you and I have a crush on him and now you're the devil. I was like, I can't help that. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. it, it was like a lot of stuff like that that was like, this is really bizarre. But um, how territorial girls got over these over dating and it was just like oh I'm just so sick of it so I just said fine if I teach you it'll be a group date so your girlfriend doesn't get weirded out and you have to buy all the food so I get free dinner because right. <laughs> I was like I'm gonna flip this and that week 
was great because we went to Utah and one of our roommate sisters was like, yes, just go on all the dates. Let them feed you. Right. <laughs> Let them take you out. <laughs> so that week I had had eight paid dates in seven days and Chewy was one of them. I was like, I'm winning. <laughs> I'm flipping the script of these guys that are always like they, I mean, while we were dating, our friend who introduced us, Chewy and I, brought him cookies. Like, that's how crazy these girls are getting. <laughs> they, like, <laughs> bake pies for people and, like, just show up with all this food. And it's just like, you don't even have to try here. He was like, I know. I was like, it is crazy. Like, how people are just ready to get married and, like, right. will do anything to get a date. And I was just like, I'm not that girl. I got too much stuff to work through. Like I just did. I knew it. I was like, I'm not ready. I just want to have fun. You seem fun. He was like, great. Me too. <laughs> and I was like, cool. We should hang out. And that's kind of how it started. So we went rock climbing and did all this fun stuff together. And um, yeah. And, and yeah. then, so, so that was, was you. that was like college. Yeah, that was college. And then how long was it before you came here? Oh, yeah. Um, so then we lived like back, we got married and we lived back and forth between Idaho and Seattle for like five or six years. I was on a lot of different medication. He graduated. We both graduated. Well, I have my associate's degree in like 2008. So the economy crashed 2009. Right. And there was like nothing. Right. Um, and then we were living in Seattle, came back to Idaho. He thought he was going to do his master's in business because he had like a, when I met him, he was pre-dental. So he had all this like science background, super smart. I was like, okay, go be a dentist. That's awesome. And I'll figure out what I want to do. Mm. It sounded great. Cause I was like, I could just be creative if I wanted to, and he could just do whatever he's going to do. Right. Um, and then he just didn't like it. He didn't want to be a dentist and work with his dad. That was like a big thing. And so I was like, well then don't do that. It's fine. You don't have to be a dentist. And he got his degree in organizational communications, which is basically like business consulting. He has like Six Sigma trained. He like is an entrepreneur. I don't know if mm. he told you this, so I'm going to have to tell you this because he was selling dog rides when he was like eight or nine. Dog rides? Yeah, rides, like rides oh, dog on his ride. dog. Oh. He sold that. He sold rocks to kids. He <laughs> sold jewelry. Like he is a born entrepreneur. And like, I didn't know what that word was or I didn't know what it meant until I got yeah. married to him. And he was starting all these businesses and I was like, can you just get a job? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like studying. He's like, well, you're just studying. I was like, yeah, but I'm going to be an architect and I'll make a lot of money and I'll do all this stuff or whatever. Or, But it was also stressing me out. I didn't realize that through the trauma of having all those like kind of breakdowns, I started getting more anxiety when I get stressed. And then I would just, instead of going through it and pushing through it, because I thought I was going to get depressed, I would quit right. so i developed a habit of quitting if it got too stressed mm. so it was changing my major and that was frustrating him and then i was just like and then he was starting all these like weird like painting businesses and these video advertising businesses that were just failing and i was just like i don't know why he wants to do this and then he was going to be a stuntman for a minute i was <laughs> like okay and he's still like touring and pogo sticking and like axe climbing and skiing, you know, and we were just kind of a mess of a couple just wandering a bit. And then once I got pregnant, we moved back to Seattle and I just felt super fulfilled. I was really happy to be a mother, but I could tell he was like stressed. Like right. he, he didn't have anything. We moved back. We kind of sold everything and he got a job at Amazon um, 
at the call center, but he was a manager. So he stepped into a management position. We had a friend, which they don't do at Amazon, right? Um, even for like all that stuff. But he was so good with people and talking. He had to de-escalate all of those crazy calls. And after Cayman was born, I think he just was like, I just was like, you don't look happy. Like, I'm happy. You don't look happy. When you go back to school and be a doctor or like, or I thought he was going to be like a nurse. I was like, you are like sitting at home in this room. And I know you need to move. Like, why don't you go do something with your body, like be a PA or a nurse practitioner or something? And he just, uh, he was like, okay, he had to take a few courses. And then he was studying. And one day he goes, babe, the spine is so cool. <laughs> so that was it. And I helped him write his draft. His like, uh, what is it? His, what do they call those now? <laughs> I don't even know. Proposal. But yeah, or, like a, his like entry entry paper. I just edited it a little bit, and he had to take more courses. Um, but before that, I had went to a chiropractor before I had came in. I was like, oh, the free clinic's doing adjustments i'm gonna go get that because i he did tell me this part. i ruined i so olympic lifting when i was at junior nationals i dropped the snatch bar on my left shoulder oh shit yeah and i had i couldn't turn my neck for like three days so i went to a chiropractor in high school and got adjustments and had physical therapy and so i was like no man i've got adjustments it's gonna be great we're gonna go to the free clinic and i'm gonna go and he came with me and then learned he had broken his back when he was doing lawn darts in Idaho and Rex at the Tetons. Cause we would go, you could take a class at BY Idaho for 200 bucks, 10 lift passes, and they drive you out there to the Tetons. Wow. For 200 bucks. That's a steal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like 10 passes plus commute. Cause it's from Rexburg. It's about an hour drive both ways. So like you spend a whole day and you get a half a credit for snowboarding PE, but I was like, that's fine. So that's where I learned to snowboard, but he was at the Tetons and he was doing that stuff. And he came back one day and he said he got carted and his arm was black. Like yeah, just carted, carted off the mountain. Like he oh. did a lawn dart and usually he was in the it. resort. Yeah. And he was yeah, so okay. mad. He's like, I've never been carted off the mountain. He's so mad growing up as a skier. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he stuck and he couldn't get up and they had to pull him off the mountain. Right. And he was just black all over. And we remember his grandpa, like giving him an exam and it was like, well, he separated some ribs and you'll be fine. And then, so when we went to the chiropractor, he x-rayed him. I was like, oh my gosh, you broke your word. <laughs> like you did this. We're like, it had to have been that time because your arm was like completely black, like on right. Mr. Deeds, like black, like Whoa. that foot, like it was gross. I was like, oh my gosh. Well, not as black, but it was fully all the way down. Right. And it, it was like, That oh. was probably really scary. Yeah. Well, it, it, he's had so many things like that. Like his whole family has stories like this. They just like... <laughs> Almost nearly died, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's fine." Right. So I think we Sorry. only have a few minutes left. Yeah, this is getting long. Um, Sorry. Did you support him when he wanted to start? Well, this is like take the, the leap. Well, I guess the so backstory. He, we haven't even got to the good stuff. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was I was just trying to think of a way to to wrap it up so that we. Oh yeah. It, it sounds like there might be a part two. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to it. So when we went to school, like and he was like, the spine's cool. And keep then the we mic. Went. Yeah, there you go. And then we went and um, everything just worked out. And it, and I was so happy because he was happy. It was like the two I met again. Right. Just years of, I think, 
kind of managing my depression and different things or medication and then trying to figure out career, we were just like not, nothing was really working. Right. And then once we moved to Florida, it was like the best decision. Oh, another chapter. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just like looking back, it was like seamless. It's like one of those things when you know you're supposed to go somewhere and there were no roadblocks. It was like um, it was supposed to happen. Like I couldn't even explain it how he got accepted and eight months later we were in Florida. Okay. So that's where he studied chiropractor. Yep. Gotcha. And it was like, okay. I mean, everything was easy. Like there were nothing, nothing that stopped us like from getting housing, everything just worked out. Uh huh. Yeah. And the first I, person he met was like one of his best friends now that we met there. So. That's cool. It's yeah. And then when, once he graduated, he said, hey, I want to start a clinic. And no, Brian was like Brian on fire there. It was Chewy 2.0. <laughs> he, this is where his, I, he was student body president in high school. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> and he was always Chewy. So no one really knew him as Brian until he decided to be a doctor and go down to school. And so he networked like crazy there. Like he was gone so much. So that was really hard on our marriage and having a small child. But it was like he knew how to talk to people. He knew who to talk to. But he was always trying to just get in front of more people right? who were doing things that were interesting and different in chiropractic, who were specializing or who were um, getting studies. And he was like the study. He was like the information drug lord. I always said you guys always had like these drives with so much information on them of health and they were passing them around so they could all study, you know, and right. people would come to the door and be like, Hey, do you have the drive? And I was like, who is this? <laughs> I was like, why is this happening? But he did that and he would over serve people like all he, I mean, I forgot to tell you, he managed a Jiffy loop during the, uh, the recession in 2008, 2009. So he was always changing people's oil and and he would share his knowledge with them and they were they knew it was a lot and they would give us tickets to Disney World and they would give us things right. to exchange because he was spending so much time away from his family. Right. Yeah, like a lot. And like it was like he had found his purpose and it was beautiful. Like he really found something that finally fit. So he was fulfilled, which it is was, just what you wanted. Yeah, I was like, this is great. Like he's so happy and he's everywhere. We had an opportunity. He was working with us. He got certified in this thing called Epic Empic, and it's a upper cervical technique branched off of a technique called advanced orthogonal technique, which they use a percussion instrument. And and it's all like Chewy. It's all objective where you could use the degrees and math to figure it out. So it's perfect every time. And it was probably the first technique you can probably do a double blind study for chiropractic, which is really huge. Mm. So we were going to go work with this, the son-in-law branched off from the father who created this technique. And we were going to go to Dubai. Mm. And he had started working in and networking and bringing up a, a huge group like he does to this technique. And they all were trained and he was gathering them. And I just said, hey, babe, if we're going to the Middle East, that's fine. But I need to see a contract. Like you were going to move there? Yeah, we were oh, going to wow. go. He he got an offer to work in the in Dubai and to study and to do research in this technique yeah. in Health City in like right next to 
Dubai. And I was like, look, that's a lot of paperwork. We're bringing over a kid. I need to, we got to get a passport. You know, we have to get school. I have to look at like, there's so much registration. Like, what do we need to bring? What immunizations do we need to have in the Middle East? Like, I was like asking these questions and what, and, and I was like, well, we got to figure this out. Um, and he just kept going, no, like I, and I had a miscarriage at that time too. And that was, that was interesting because before that, like, this is where we may have to edit some of this, but he, like, I was overweight. So I gained all that weight and it never came off that 60 pounds. I was really, really heavy. And even after it came in and I was working out, nothing happened. And he said to something to me in chiropractic school, he's like, you could never work at my office. You're too fat. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this was like, but I was like, what a dick. Like, why would you say, like, are you serious? You're never home. I'm raising your son. Like I'm here. And, but it made me go back to school and I started taking classes in web design and I started that journey of marketing that I didn't really know I was on, but I was like, I'll take it because it has design and I like art and I'll just do that. I can do it from home and maybe help support, you know, at home. But, um, my, my cholesterol and I would be, was becoming pre-diabetic. Like nothing was working. I was playing soccer on a rec team, which was really fun. Um, and I was going to the Y and I was running. Mm. Um, so I ended up going, okay, what do I need to do? He's like, well, you have to change your diet. Like, cause they're learning all this stuff. And, and he told me I couldn't be heavy because a lot of them said, you want your clinics to be Everyone has to be fit there. I would be right. wrong for marketing. And I was like, oh, man. So it wasn't just him. It was like, that's what they were learning. Like, we have to set the example. Right. If we're going to be doing this stuff, we have to live it. Right. And that's a lot to ask someone who's never done any of this stuff. But I was like, okay, well, I want to get pregnant again. I'd have to get off medication anyways. So I did Dr. Fearman's diet. Were you still taking the antidepressant? Yeah. I oh, wow. This whole time you were taking the antidepressants still. all this still. stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was always, except for during pregnancy, I can't, you okay. can't take any of these things. And so then I um, got off the medication and I started doing a vegan diet. And that vegan diet just, um, I, it was the first time I really lost weight was nutrition. It really opened up my eyes to like, I ate beans and greens for like 13 weeks. Mm-hmm. I lost 13 pounds about, and then it just kept going. Like it detoxed, my cholesterol went down because I was like a walking stroke. Like it was like the medications that I was on, the combinations were really dangerous for my heart right? Um, and my blood sugar. And it made me pre-diabetic and I was 28 and I was like, I have a two-year-old, I'm too young. Like I'm too young to be this sick. Like something is wrong, you know, and they're learning about it and kind of not wanting to say anything because like being overweight is really, really detrimental to the longevity. Right. And they're learning this and I'm like super overweight married to this guy who's kind of a genius. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, I don't know what's happening. And, but when I decided to do that, I, it changed how I thought about food and I just could commit to it. And, um, and then I just kept losing weight. I ended up having a miscarriage after that, um, and then we were set to go to Dubai and I was like trying to get all this stuff. And I was like, babe, we need paperwork. But he was, he was struggling. Like, he's like, no, I'm going to go to Dubai. If you get depressed where, you know, can he couldn't do it. And so we ended up actually, I was like not doing well and I had to get on another medication. 
Um, and we separated for three months and I moved home with Cayman to Seattle. Oh, wow. Uh, cause he was set to go to Dubai and I was like, well, where's all the contract stuff? He's like, just believe it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we just, I just wasn't doing well and I needed help and I couldn't take care of Cayman very well. Like I just was like the new medication actually made me sleep less. And when you only sleep like three or four hours, like paranoia can set in pretty fast and right. they have all these side effects. And so I went home and, um, I didn't know if we were going to make it. Cayman thought we were just going to visit. And then he realized that we were maybe going to get divorced. Um, I was just not myself. And I started reading all these. I asked him, what can I do? And he was like, just try some reading these books. And uh, so I started reading Think and Grow Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the mm. 10X group, like all these entrepreneur mindset books, right? That's where they started to come alive in me is when I was gone. So why did he recommend entrepreneurial books if I thought it was a health? He is, but it was about my mind, right? He Be wanted to change your mindset. Yes, because my mind was not fully aware and I, that I was capable. Mm. Like I thought I, I had also through this believed I was going to have to do this for the rest of my life. Like I was never going to live at a capacity of normal. Like this was my normal, right? Like that medication and that all these health problems were just what I had. That was like what I had to deal with. Right. Yeah. And so I didn't understand that his perspective of like, you can be empowered and you don't have to live off the label, but I had just grown into it. And so he gave me mindset books that he had started reading a year before with his chiropractic friends too, to help them get ready for the challenges of facing the medical system. Because really that's what they're doing. Mm. They're going up against, you know, and all these, like you have to immunize, you have to do this. And so we were learning that in school together. And I was like, look, you shouldn't tell people to not immunize. I was open to it because I didn't want to have any medicine in birth. I had all my babies natural. Even before I went to chiropractic school, I was like, I've been on all this medication and I, I, my aunts had her babies at home. My mom didn't like the epidurals that gave her shakes and it, it gave me anxiety. So I decided I came in naturally. Right. And it was awesome because all my kids have been natural. I've never had medical intervention with them. The girls mm -hmm. were born at home. They've never been immunized. So mm -hmm. like, I didn't know that was preparing me for this journey you know into alternative health and then when i did the diet it really tipped everything over but now my parents were like no she has this diagnosis she needs medicine why did you let her get off of it that same rhetoric's coming in right and so i'm moving back and they're all like no this is the key even his family because his brother has like schizophrenia he has bipolar he has adhd he has od he's have everything there the it is medicine 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 and that's not bad um, but what we're learning is, and it's very serious, so you do need to seek treatment. So I'm always like, seek treatment, right. get the trauma help you need. But I'm going to say it wasn't the path for me. Mm -hmm. I did that path. I went, I lived through it and it made my life worse. Right. And I can say that because I'm living proof of it right now. Like right. I've been through all of it. And I, I hesitate maybe to share that, but I also am happy to share because I don't want people saying, well, she recommends you to not do any of this stuff. No, like I sought treatment. I did that path and it just stopped working for me. Right. Like I'm sure it saved my life many times, but 
it just didn't after a while. And so when I, we went and I read all these books, I read a book by Napoleon Hill called Outwitting the Devil and me being more religious and faith-based, I didn't realize that the devil had a voice. Mm. You know, I thought I believed in God and the devil is just kind of like on cartoons and, and the way he talks. And my sister-in-law said, cause she, her, her husband, he's Brian's brother has all those things. And she says, I know in depression, that's depression, Barton versus Barton's voice. Right. Because depression speaks differently. Right. And so when I learned that I'd also read a book, um, they're called like, um, and I can't remember, but the name of it, um, it's a Christian based book, but it's also like through the LDS community. And he's kind of like on the outskirts because they didn't like how it was written, but he was basically saying like, you have your voice. Like people aren't crazy because they hear or have multiple voices. Your voice speaks like, um, I'm this, I have to go do this. I need this, like to do list. I, 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 it's first person. Right. Um, the devil will be like, yeah, you can't do that. You know, mm. or you shouldn't, or you're not good enough, or um, no one's going to believe you anyways, right. or no one will notice if you do it just this once, like stuff like that. It says the third voice, that's where the spirit speaks or where God speaks. And he's going to say, go do this. Right. It's going to be a command. You know, it's going to be gentle and it's going to be soft and it will be like, um, um, call your mom mm. or um, you need to find like you need to check on your daughter. You know, it's It's a command. It's like, you should pray or like for the other ones are like, one is trying to always negate. And one is like, Oh, me, 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 you know, like I have these things going on. Uh, and the spirit speaks very differently. And, and she would say, so I loved that concept of those three. And then my sister-in-law, Rachel was like, well, that's depression. You got to learn that voice, Adina. And when I was reading out Waiting the Devil, which is similar to the screw tape letters of like what the devil tries to tell you to fear, right? Um, it was like, wow, the conversations he had of what he's trying to get you to do, it really reminded me of depression voice, right? Mm. So I was like, okay, we've got these things going on and I have to decipher now. But now I had to actually figure it out instead of just mask it with just take the medicine and go through the motions, which is what I thought I had to do. You know, I thought, okay, well... I have this thing that's suicidal, which I also felt shame and guilt about. If I don't do it, I'm going to disappoint my family again. You know, if I don't take it, like I'm going to hurt them again and I don't want to, you know, and, and it starts to mess with your psyche of that's my identity now. Right. And I had to basically change my whole identity and um, like, and rebuild again, you know, and, and those books really helped me quite a bit get on the same page. And I was listening and reading 10x by grant cardone and i started listening to podcasts like freakonomics just everything interesting i worked at a nutrition center um and i would do night shift and just load up things and listen you know and and thinking grow rich is still one of my favorite books because it, it talks about the negative energies and the positive energies right and and that's your thoughts you know the secret of the book is your thoughts is if you can if you can change your mind, if you can learn to control what's happening, even if you have all these voices, if you have depression, it's good. And I, and that's where Tim Ferriss podcast came into me and his Ted talk was huge for me because he talked about his suicide. And I said, I could totally relate to this, totally relate to where he's at and he's successful. And he would say, it's, 
that doesn't go away. I don't get to escape this bipolar depression. Right. But I can learn to tread the water and rise above it. And that's why he created the four hour work week. And that's why he created the four hour body and all these things, because he realized he had to figure out how to make him happy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't what the world prescribed. And it wasn't the system of nine to five work living. He needed adventure. He needed to travel. He needed to live, you know, and he needed to interview all these people and discuss life with people that made him happy, you know, and, and it made me realize, look, super successful people have these things and they're not bad, you know, and they're not what I thought. They're not ever going to just stay here. Like they can rise above it. And, and that journey of listening to podcasts and Grant Cardone and his wife, Elena, cause she's supporting him. And Brian reminds me of Grant Cardone or Tony Robbins. He has like, and I'd listened to Elon Musk. I listened to over 150, 160 business books in the next two years after that Mm -hmm. got my mind around it right and brian and i were finally on the same page and i understood who he was like i understood why his mind worked this way for the first time in our marriage i mean we've been married eight years or more and it was like we finally started to see each other this way and and i felt probably a lot that i don't have a degree i don't have anything to offer like i had a lot to make up for um on the years i lost maybe but also like in how much pain he had to go through and just it was hard for him he didn't want to get married to someone who was sick really you know or who didn't understand what being an entrepreneur was and the empowerment that he had right and like the first years of our marriage it was gone that's why when he went to chiropractic school he was him again it was wonderful you know it's like he's he has the drive because he read those books before we met so he was giving me books of like how to make the best of life, mm-hmm. you know, and and I just went with it and it was wonderful. And I started learning I was really good at marketing. Mm. Yeah, I, we worked together and I opened that office with him and we were on fire. It was Open cool. the cell regen office? Stem, uh, no, a stem cell clinic together in Florida. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. That's why when he, he didn't get into Dubai, this, sorry, this is so jumpy. Um. Uh, our friend that we went to church with offered him to run a second clinic, a stem cell clinic for him in Florida. Mm. So what happened was my gut stepped in and said, we need a contract. Brian was like, no, he's good for it. And we got back together after that summer of all these, um, you know, I was changing and growing and, uh, the guy who was supposed to go to Dubai with it all fell through and nothing. Right. Yeah. And so we ended up starting a clinic together i was pregnant we got pregnant right away with our daughter isla which i didn't know if we were going to get back together a little and have kids and he was really wanting a kid which was really sweet um and she's been super loving for us she's been such a joy but um it's a it was a it's been a journey right so all these things had to happen because that's where we started understanding business and going to summits together and and realizing we like this entrepreneur life together. Um, mm. And uh, and so I knew, too, again, he didn't have a contract. And I, I think I was smarter than I realized. And I terrified his uh, owner. And he wanted to fire me as soon as he could, even though I was bringing in money. And I started learning online marketing. And So how to, Brian didn't own the clinic? No, he was, he was working to be a partner. So he was okay. told he was going to own it or be partner. That was the deal, but it was a handshake again. Right. 
he never got a contract again. And then I started learning how to, I got in with an MLM company and started learning how to network. And it taught me how to talk to people. It was, MLM's not that great for me. What is MLM? It's multi-level marketing. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it, people, because it's like relationship building. So you're always leveraging relationships. And oftentimes it can be difficult because your money is tied to that relationship instead of like just, um, you know, like it's it's kind of an interesting thing. And I learned it and I liked it because it gave me something to do. I learned a lot about business and relationships and people and and a lot of people who were like scammy and like you just learn by doing it so it was like he was always like you should do it because he knew if i could do network marketing or if i could sell i'd have to get over my fear of being introverted and talk to people mm. yeah and and it's hard because you have to face rejection too if you can go door to door or just like michael did like Coach Michael, he was door-to-door -door salesman. Like, it's really brutal. Mm -hmm. If you can handle that, you'll be able to handle a lot more, you know? Right. And it was, again, like, it's not always great that he's, like, giving me things to try and me failing at them because then it brings some resentment in there. But it was really a good thing to learn. And I, I understood with the simple web design that I was learning that our internet, our website wasn't working. And I started learning online marketing and how to funnel business. Mm. And I even was fired and I said, but I'd come in and help because I was like, fine. Or they, I quit basically before but they didn't really want me there because in that consulting group and in the way they ran it, they needed to be able to fire people. And I was the doctor's wife. Right. Right. And that makes it really complex <laughs> in the business. So um, so what I ended up doing was I'd come in and run the front desk when they needed it. Um, and I started running their ads online. I just said, hey, Brian, let me play with this. I'm learning how to build these funnels. And in eight months, um, we grew 400 percent in profit through the ads I run and the way I could could write. I became really good at writing. Wow. Yeah. And like understanding the internet and getting into social posting and, and branding and marketing and using that artistic background. Um, and so when that business, when I could tell he just hated it, he was not himself. It's too stressful. It's like, Brian, I think we can ask to go somewhere. And he didn't even think he could. And I said, no, we can do this. Um, let's see, you have friends in Hood River. Let's see if they'll come and see if you can work with them. And we came out here and it was like the second time, like going to Florida, it just fell into place. Mm. We were just, it was easy. We came, nothing was blocked. And then the pandemic hit. But Did you I, come in like 2019? November of 2019, the week before Thanksgiving. Mm. Yeah. And we moved everything and got out of that situation. Cause I could tell, even though we almost hit a million, three million, a million dollar practice in three years. So I just knew Brian could run a business and I could run the marketing and that would be enough. Right. to start something um, because no matter my credentials, like I kind of became good at it. Like it was just natural, but it was also like I worked. I'm not, I'm not working. Like I'm staying up at midnight, tweaking stuff. I'm going to courses. I'm going to business trips and investing myself in mindset training and things to help push through things. But um, and then I became good at tech. Not really good, like I can code, but not great. 
but I, I started to learn stuff. And I was right. like, oh, okay, I can kind of learn some things, even though I suck at math. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm like coding a little bit and I'm like figuring out how the computer works. And um, it just became like, okay, he's the science. Everyone loves him. I just got to get him in front of people. And uh, if I can do it online and get a better system, um, we'll start getting some traction. And we just did. Right. Yeah. And it was like, okay, that's all we needed. And and because he's not good with contracts, I just became like, nope, I'm going to be the businesswoman and then we'll, I'll do the strategy and help with making sure everything's covered on the back. Right. Yeah. And so that's why he's always like, everyone's scared of you. I was like, no, because when I'm like New York, I'm like, I mean, business when it comes to this, because I'm not going through that again. I can't put my family through right. uprooting. Like I, it has to be respected and it, it's either, you know, what do they always say in business? It's either like Stephen Covey. I loved his books. I love Stephen Covey books. It's either a win-win or it's a win-lose or it's a no thank you. Like right. it's better to go for win-win and everyone is happy and it's wonderful or it's a win-lose or lose-win situation. And even in a marriage, if you're compromising, he would even say your a compromise is a win-lose or lose-win. Right. Someone has to lose. Always go for a win-win or no deal. Right. Like you, And that seems really like maybe black and white, but it, it is true. Like I just said, Brian, like you're giving more out right now and people keep asking for you. Why are you giving them for free? Right. Like it's not the time. And so we were starting to set up a consulting firm and I was like, I'm going to help you. I'll build out a back end for you. I'll do courses, whatever you need to do tech wise. I can, I can do it. Uh, it may take me longer because I have to teach myself, but it's not too hard for me to put you up out there. You've got so much knowledge and wisdom and experience and um, people are asking online. And then one day a lady came in and asked if we wanted a franchise. Oh, yeah. I recently heard. So, so yeah, you're talking about the, the clinic here. Yeah. Now everything then, is changed. And yeah. it's in Florida that the next. We uh, have like two or three who are interested in putting oh, wow. them in. Yeah. In Florida, we have 30 total just by networking. That's why I say when Brian's on 30 what? Prospects. Oh, wow. Yeah, of locations. Oh, wow. Because when Brian's on fire, Brian 2.0, he networks like crazy. So this next couple of months, we're heading into franchise documents and getting paperwork ready. Wow. Yeah, it's finally starting. His dream of always being an entrepreneur of selling dog rides and all those things. It's like, you're going to do it. I just didn't know that I needed to be part of it, you know, and it, it's really beautiful because that time that was the best thing in my life. That was the worst thing. We're seeing people who are suicidal come in. And we're changing them. Right. Right. And for me, it's just like sweet. How much more work is it for like if one franchise location gets opened that someone else is running? How much more work is it for you guys? Is it twice? I imagine it's not twice as much work because someone else is running it, right? But it's, um, it's probably still, still a lot of work. Yeah, they're different businesses. So they'll be separate entities from the current business. We right. have to run a whole other business. Yeah. Oh, so you will be running the other franchises? Uh, we are. We're the. Brian will be the CEO. And I'll okay. be the CEO of this location for Hood River. And it will be separate entities. The franchise is a whole other thing. Right. And we will have, we have another business partner already and we'll have a board. 
we will be setting up all of the details. So it's basically like they're buying intellectual property, our right. business system. Right. And it is extra work, especially this first year. Right. Yeah. It's completely separate. Um, it is, it is more strategic, right? And it's more writing and documenting our process mm -hmm. and honing in what we want to be trademarked, right. things like that. So that's where it's like, getting into what makes celery gen special and packaging it in a way that it can be franchised. So no, we're not right. running those businesses. We do have a commitment to each of them. Right. Um, we want them to be successful. Uh, they're using our brand and our name and we have to make sure that that is legitimate and that it works. And we have to walk to help them through the pitfalls of like, if we have, we, you know, that's where it starts going. We hire general managers to help manage some things. So yes, it's work, but we won't be um, on the front lines. Right. But we will be going to all the openings. You know, we will right. be going to meet. We will be going to several meetings with all of them. So we'll have to sit down and have those meetings because it's a big contract negotiation. It starts being contract negotiation and management, but it's also like the opportunity if we're having... You know, I guess I'm mission-based this way that it's like um, we can help more people not be suicidal or have hope about their diagnosis because I, I got brain scanned and they misdiagnosed me. Right. Like, I don't have any of that. I have a lot of hormonal stuff. I do have some temporal lobe damage. I don't know where it came from. So some, some of the medications they gave me helps that. So it would have been right for the brain function, but it was the wrong diagnosis at all. And then I'm, I'm going through, I found out I have a microtoxin. I have mold. Well, the house I grew up in where I got depressed in has mold. Mm, wow. Right. So now the story changes again. There's another layer and we've probably got to go. <laughs> but yeah, that's where it's like this thing that we do. Uh, it's so cool because when I read Dave Asprey books, that's how he started his biohacking. And it was like, we had right. to hack ourselves to health and we didn't really know we were doing it. And then we created it cause we're like, well, Dave Asprey does something like this. And Brian was researching cold in Florida and he wanted to bring PMF in that clinic, but that partner wasn't wanting to, you know, he wanted to do these things there. He's super innovative that way, but they just weren't ready. And and um, his mind is research-based, like he loves it, like he thirsts for knowledge, you know, and I think we both have that in common. Um, I think me being kind of the overachiever, well, I like to nerd out on stuff too, but once he went to school, he didn't get into reading until he went to chiropractic school, and then we started really nerding out quite a bit, and we really like it, and it it's fun for both of us. We really enjoy it together too, um, and so this that whole thing of like, well, it is a lot of work, but the lives we can help. Right. And yeah. I, ima I imagine the first franchise will be a lot of work. Yeah. But I think it's second... like maybe the first five is what I've been hearing. Right. Get two to five and you're really going to see all the problems come right. up and you want them to come up so we can really, before it goes national, really be like honed in on right. its turnkey. You're going to, like, we know what to expect week this month. Versus this month, because of these locations have the stats. And we, right. we have a software we're going to use to help track all that. And so we know uh, how to look 
what how the regions are doing like we're looking through all of this stuff right, right now so it's it's fun though because if you've ever read the e-myth um it's an entrepreneur book um we're working as employees in our business right now right you want to work on your business not in your business <laughs> and so this opportunity gives us to strategize and to come alive again i think right where so we're it's exciting too where we're getting more creative again where we can see different paths and and have the ability to train because what we really liked was the team that we built in Florida and Prine is so good at leadership with people. Mm. Man, those people's lives, like we always bring in personal development as part of it. They can read, we do a book club with our employees. Like we are going to have so much fun with like building those franchisees and showing them how to train their staff and like we were good at it and i think that's most a headache for most people we're good at hiring we know how to weed people out right that's part of it but we know how to find the gems you know and i think being able to pass that along to these locations is really going to be fun yeah, yeah that's that i can imagine that's super exciting and a totally new dimension of of entrepreneurship and yeah i can see how that would bring out a lot of creativity um mm-hmm. well Thank you so much. I think we should wrap it up. Um, there'll probably be a second part because <laughs> we've got a lot of room to go, but I'm really excited to hear how the franchises go. Congratulations on that. Thank you. We're super, super excited. And um, yeah, we'll be ready in April. So cool. holy crap. And, and where can people find you? Well, oh, you can go to our website at celerygenwellness.com right now. We're, I'll be building out more. We're going to be creating more on how to do proposals for if they're interested in a franchise, but there will be a link on our main website for franchise opportunities. Okay. There's a link now, but it's empty because I just know it's coming. So I just put it there as a placeholder, but uh, go to celerygenwellness.com and you can learn more about it. Uh, We're going to roll out. This is super early, but I wanted to do like a early adopter membership. So if you are interested in learning more, we will talk about the journey. We're going to document it and put it up for our members so people can join and see the behind the scenes if they're interested because we're entrepreneurs but we're also in the health and wellness space like we have both of this and we know most entrepreneurs are looking to stay optimal stay healthy wise and active and and they have you have dreams and goals just like we do and you you can change the world with them and and if you don't know that, um, sometimes it's about getting around the right people. So we want to share the process of franchising because I think people who are business minded, you know, they just don't know about it. And right. we can share that as well as some of our health tips. So we're going to open up some online memberships where you can like learn and see some things and um, and do some more just content creation that way. That will be fun. Um just another project, but it's a good project, yeah. I think, because we'll look back on it, you know, and be able to see how silly we were, but also like is something to remember. So absolutely. Um, that sounds I, really cool. Yeah, I hope it's uh, helpful for people, too. It's really for for you guys, too. And to know about health, Brian's going to start. I'm super excited. He'll start nerding out again and doing research <laughs> and and sharing like his two hours of research to people and uh but he's into it and he's good at it and it's um it's his passion yeah you know and he can start doing that again and i think the business has been a good place 
for us to meet people and then to to find ways to help. So that's cool. And where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, we're at cell region. Oh, cell dot region. Cool. It's just at cell dot region. Um, that's kind of, I know that's kind of an easy way for people to yeah, stay updated. We're and, on Instagram right. a lot. We're moving in a little bit into TikTok, and I'm trying to get our YouTube because I think the YouTube will be uh, with his ability to talk will be how we can maybe YouTube and podcasts. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just like two for one kind of thing, but, uh, it'll be fun to get those out. So I'm hoping we got four months to April, probably be the summer. Those things will start rolling out. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much. And we look forward to hearing updates on you guys' progress. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sean. Alrighty.